Praise God. So glad that you're with us tonight. Pastors Jack and Michelle Pigeon. Uh, we're doing our midweek Bible study. I encourage you to get your Bible and a notebook. Take some notes. Write down the scriptures that we're talking about and go back. You know, every time I have taken so many things for granted in the Word of God. And when I go back and actually look for them, I'm kind of surprised at how many of those things aren't really there. And so I just want to encourage you, don't just take everything for granted with the Word. Please, please, please get your own Bible. Go into the Word for yourself. Make sure, back us up, keep us accountable for what we're preaching and teaching. And uh, I guarantee you that's where your faith will grow. But we're so excited that you're here. Welcome. We want in his sort of exhortation for you to be ready to hear the word and be able to discern yourself what God is speaking to you. So have your Bible out and be ready to go back and study your notes from today. Amen. Well, we've kind of come to the end of almost, I think, a year of preaching and teaching on the Holy Spirit. Pastor Michelle and myself have spent a lot of time teaching. Uh, I've been very honored that we've had Brother Steve, we've had Brother Mike, we've had my father, and uh, we've all been trying to bring you different aspects of um, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then as we got into specifics about the gifts of the Spirit, and um, I'm kind of looking back over the whole year, and there's just a, a couple of things that I think are really relevant for us. First, at West Houston Christian Center, and uh, I, I'm thankful for a, a great wife because, you know, each of us brings a portion of the Godhead to the body. And uh, she sees things, I see things. And I think it's great when we come together and we're able to um, just kind of just fit perfectly as to what the Holy Spirit is saying, each from our own perspective. Michelle and I have both known for a long time that, uh, and this is kind of a, a legacy and a heritage that has been passed down to us mm -hmm. from our senior pastors, uh, from our founding pastors, pastors Jack and Mary Jean. But there's always needed to be a strong emphasis on prayer yes. at West Houston Christian Center. And we know that, you know, so goes the prayer room is so goes the sanctuary Absolutely. and how important it is for us as a body to be spending more time in individual prayer uh, also having and making times for corporate prayer. But looking back over all of the teaching that we've done on the Holy Spirit, what a powerful weapon that the Lord gave us in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost came. And the, the power and the gift and really the weapon that He gave us through prayer. Amen. And and prayer is so vital because it keeps us in the love of God. It keeps us connected to God. Amen. So prayer is vital in English, but it's so precious to pray in the Holy Spirit because we're praying out the perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit's praying through us and we're being built up in our most holy faith. Now, faith comes by hearing the word, but we're being built up That's to good. walk uh, according to the will of God with his strength and with his love and with his mercy. Amen. So good. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, uh, this is, you know, Jesus, and we're going to get into it a little bit, but he, he kind of gave uh, his disciples a commission before he left, and he gave them some instruction. And uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, it says, uh, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. 
you know, we have to back up a little bit. You know, Jesus had already gone to the cross. Uh, he'd already been crucified. Uh, there had already been this wonderful, beautiful resurrection that had taken place. And over a 40-day period, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And he taught them and instructed them. But he gave them some very, very specific instructions. And he had been alluding to it all through his preaching and teaching but I don't think they really understood, neither would we, what he was really talking about. But finally, at the end, when you get into the first chapter of Acts, he starts giving them some very concrete instruction. He tells them to go to a specific place, and he tells them to wait, for they are going to be endued with power from on high. And what he's referring to is there is going to be this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And in this verse that he just read to you, before they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they've been instructed to pray throughout their time with the Lord. The Lord Jesus himself had showed them many things. He had showed them how to pray. He had showed them you know, ways to pray. He had taught them the Lord's Prayer, not because we should just in rote pray just that prayer, although that prayer is very powerful. Amen. And it's the, it's the heart of that prayer that we need to understand. But he was teaching them, Pray thy kingdom come. You know, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Ask for forgiveness for your sins. Ask for your daily bread and your daily health and your daily uh, supply of the Spirit. And then here, they're doing what he told them to do. They're doing it together because he told them to go and be together and wait. Amen. He usually had taught them, don't just pray out vain repetitions in front of everyone so everyone can see <clears> you, <throat> but pray in the closet. Pray up on the mountain, right, like he would do. And Pray secretly and in secret, God will hear you and answer you. But here they're praying together. And the most precious thing that I saw here in this verse also was that they immediately got direction as to what to do next. They had a little bit of time to be together and pray before Amen. the day of Pentecost came when they were actually baptized in the Holy Ghost. So they're praying here together and they begin to get direction from the Lord, praying in English or praying in their language. Hebrew, yeah. Sorry, they probably weren't praying in English, Hebrew or whatever, whatever language they spoke there. Sure. And in praying in their native tongue together, they got direction to then choose the disciple to replace Judas to fulfill the scripture. So they got direction from Amen. the Lord as they were waiting for the next step of direction, which would yeah. be the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I thought what was so interesting about them being first, you see this, this scripture or this phrase, it says with one accord. I want you to notice in Acts chapter one, verse 14, that they are not uh, they have, the baptism has not fallen yet. They right. don't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. Right. They don't know about these tongues of fire. But yet the Bible says that they all prayed with one accord. And uh, I want you to I want to give you a definition. That word with one accord means having one mind and purpose. It mm. means harmony leading to action. It means being unanimous. It means group unity. It means being in agreement. Uh, I like one of the uh, one of my phrases that says they prayed with one soul. Wow. Now, let me give this to you out so of the powerful. Passion Translation uh, of Acts chapter one, verse 14. It says all of them were united in prayer, gripped with one passion, interceding night and day. Amos tells us, how can two walk together unless they agree? They're agreeing here and they're getting everything in proper order for the miracles of God to come to pass yeah. upon them and through them in the next couple of days. Yeah, I want you to notice that. And when we're still talking about the Holy Spirit, we have not veered from our no. topic. 
but I want you to notice that there was a fervent and persistent prayer and it was prominent in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Thank you. That there was a strong and I want you to notice that this group of people um, Jesus told and I'm going to show you. um, Look at first Corinthians 15, six, and I know I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit, but this is where we get some of these numbers that we use. You know, I was reading through the book of Acts this morning and we get to the 120, but we know that we've thrown around this number 500, that there were 500 people there. And I'm like, Lord, have I just taken that for granted all these years and just taken that at somebody else's teaching that there were 500? Where did that even come from? And so I want to show you in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, it says, after he was seen, now what, what Paul is doing, he's giving an account of all the different times. I'm going to ask my pretty wife to back up a few verses. She's in 1 Corinthians 15. Would you just read, start in verse 1, and let's go all the way down through verse 6. Moreover, brethren, verse 1, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren Mm. at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Amen. So that's where we get that number 500 is that it shows who Jesus appeared to. Jesus appeared to this group Mm -hmm. and he told them in person, I want you to go, I want you to wait. And this is where the the tarrying part comes from. And we taught a lot about tarrying, that this was only a one-time thing where Jesus told this specific group to go and tarry, to wait in Jerusalem because you're going to be endued with power. We don't have to wait now for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, so good. So I get so excited, I almost overlapped you. Yeah. Sorry, I apologize. Nope. But um, I was thinking about how Moses is this type and shadow for us, but without going into all of that, on the mountain, they had a very similar experience, a first type of Pentecost. And so they were waiting for what God wanted to fulfill yeah. in this moment, this extravagant moment of bringing forth the Holy Spirit after Jesus had gone up into you know, the heavenly temple yeah. and presented his blood. He is sending the comforter, the helper, the strengthener, the standby, the advocate. He's sending the Holy Spirit. He's sending himself in a manner that can be with everyone. And it's going to be miraculous and it's going to be evident. And it's going to be clear. And it's, oh, I'm just, it's just so powerful when you study it out. Amen. So you've got that number 500 that started off in this upper room. And this upper room is also uh, very easily the place where Jesus had had the last supper with his disciples. Mm. I mean, this was kind of their go-to place. And so you started off in this room with 500 people and they're praying. And you know what? They're not even praying in the Holy Spirit. I mean, they're just praying purely out of their own languages, their own languages, their own understanding. But yet over a period of time, they were able to reach what the Bible calls one accord, where they were unanimous in what they prayed. Um, I want to show you something, though. Look at Acts chapter one, verse 15. And now all of a sudden we've gone from this 500 and it says in verse uh, 15 in Acts chapter one. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, although the number of names was about one hundred and twenty. 
And uh, this is where we get that number 120. And it says, 120 remained in prayer, united till the Holy Spirit fell. And that's so important because I want you to notice that we started off with 500, but by the time we get to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, there's only 120. New Testament prayer is not about numbers. It's not about how many people are praying, but it's about how many are in harmony with what needs to be prayed. Although I just want to stay even at on the broadcast tonight, stay with us, stay with the word that God gives you. Whenever he leads you to listen to something or study something, stay with it because it makes me a little sad just in the moment, like, oh, 500 reduced to 120, only 120 could come into agreement. Only 120 could be patient and wait on the Lord. We need to be able to discipline ourselves. And you can do that by praying in the Holy Spirit for God's help to be patient, to wait on the Lord sometimes for the breakthrough, for the thing he wants to give you as an answer to your questions. Yeah. That's good. And I, and I want to say, he's probably going to get to this, but get ex- you can get excited and not stay sad because eventually this 120 grows to 3,000 and then 5,000. Yeah, amen. And I just want us to also point out that, you know, a lot of times um, our prayer groups are some of the smallest attended groups that we have in church. For whatever reason, um, I guess when we look at prayer and we look at corporate prayer, and we look at the type of prayer that's really needed to bring about change. Because if you really look, I mean, God, I mean, God could have sent the Holy Spirit because the day of Pentecost fully came. But if that 120 wasn't ready, then it could have just come and it could have left just as quickly as it came. It took a quality amount of prayer to pray in what God's will was concerning the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes, because he put us in position to do certain things. And so we had to be obedient to what he had commanded. They had to be obedient to what he commanded. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And he told them to go and tarry. And so a group of them were willing to be patient. And something, if I could just interject this, that's so powerful about prayer is that the first time you see it in the Old Testament, it's about Abraham praying for a king to save his life. And then the next time you really see the word prayer, now sometimes in the King James Version, it'll say, I pray thee, it's a request. It's not saying pray. But the first time you see prayer, it's Abraham praying for a king to save his life. The second time you see prayer, it's Moses praying for the people to save their lives from fire and then from serpents. The reason I said that is, another reason it's sometimes difficult to stay in prayer or to go to prayer groups is because it's not about us. It's about other people. So good. So may I just encourage you, to ask the Lord to help you become a selfless Christian because I'm telling you, when you seek first the kingdom, when you pray for other people, when you obey God in that, He wants to abundantly bless you. It's not that I do it for that reason or we do it for that reason, but don't be concerned that you have to waste an hour praying for someone else when you have your own issues. God's going to take care of you as you honor to pray for other people. I think the first time that we see it in the New Testament, we see it in... um, uh, Matthew five forty four, and the first time we see it in the New Testament. So the word pray in the Old Testament was Abraham for a king and then Moses for the people. But the first time in the New Testament, the first time we see it is Matthew five forty four, And Jesus is saying, pray for your enemies. Mm, so good. Hey, we're going to take a quick break right now. And man, we are just flying through this. But uh, we're going to let you know what's happening at West Houston Christian Center. Give you an opportunity to sow some seed. 
And uh, so we'll be right back with you in just a minute. Don't turn that dial. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we're just continuing in, um, we're talking about prayer. We're really, and, and what the Lord placed on my heart today was really just looking at prayer through the book of Acts and looking at prayer. And we're going to actually going to go back as Michelle had done before. And we're going to go back into what Jesus had to say about prayer. And uh, I want to kind of show a little bit of what prayer was like with the disciples before the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then talk about the real power that God gave us through his precious Holy Spirit and how each one of us has been called to pray. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yes. You know, prayer and, and, and we looked at what happened in the book of Acts as you started off with 500 people. How interesting that you had 500 people there for the preaching. But by the time the gift of the Holy Spirit fell, you are only down to 120. And uh, that just is kind of a picture, I think, of the church today is that we have a lot of people that are there for the preaching part of it and the teaching part. But when it comes to actually doing the word, when it actually comes time to actually doing prayer, that that group seems to shrink up substantially. And I hope this doesn't come across in any manner as judgmental, but as you draw close to the Lord, as you draw close by spending time with Him, in His presence is fullness of joy. What's my point? The closer you are to Him, the more you want to pray, to be honest. Amen. I think these people, if you were to read the list of the ones who were in the 120, they were the ones that were probably very close to Jesus. They were his 12 apostles, his 11 and then one added. They were his own mother and his brothers. They were the people that knew him and stayed close to him throughout his three-year ministry, especially, and sometimes before that if there was family. But they, they were close to the Lord. Draw close to the Lord. You'll want to intercede. You'll see the victory in interceding and praying for yourself or others. Amen. You know, it's so interesting, you know, the three of the disciples were taught probably one of the hardest lessons in prayer um, on the night that Jesus was taken in and, and, and a couple of days before he was even taken to the cross. And so let's look at Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26. And I encourage you guys, get out your own Bible, write it right, put some notes in your Bible, underline things. I am, I am just... I'm going back to every scripture that's ever spoken to me and I'm underlining it and putting quotations and highlighters and stuff. And if you think your Bible is too holy for you to to write in, then go somewhere and get you a two dollar paper one or whatever and do something that you can write some notes in. It is your manual for life. Mm. And so look, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. And uh, this is Jesus. And uh, he's already had the Last Supper with the disciples. He's washed their feet. Um, He knows what's about to happen. And he takes his his big three, his power trio with him. And that's uh, um, John, Peter and James. Mm. And he says, you know, come with me because um, I need your help because there's some things that are about to take place. And so um, let's look at verse 36. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with them Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. 
And he went a little farther and fell on his face and praying, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch and pray with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And uh, we know what happens through the rest. Jesus once again prays to God and says, you know, if this is, if it's possible to let this will pass from me. But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And, uh, but he had given the disciples some very specific instructions. He had told them to watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That word watch means to be watchful, on alert, be vigilant, stay awake, be responsible. That word pray means an exchange, to interact with the Lord by switching human ideas for his ideas as he imparts faith. Jesus knew what was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And he knew that his disciples were not prayer wise and spirit wise prepared for what was about to happen. Um, they were praying to the best of their ability. Um, they were praying, you know, in their own language, in their own strength. But they had come to the end of themselves. They were tired. Uh, it was late at night. You know, they, I just really don't think they understood what was about to happen to them. Yeah, this was probably a very intense time. And it's interesting, when we get under pressure... It's easy for us to just yield to our flesh. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I will say eventually when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, helping us not fall into the flesh yeah. so much. But staying here on this, this is a powerful word. And that word for prayer, I, I want to, I'm not sure if I can pronounce this right, but in Greek it's prosukomahi, uh, I believe. And it means to supplicate or worship um, or pray earnestly to God. He, God, was acutely aware of everything that was going to happen, but Jesus was earnestly praying to him and he was wanting to teach them to earnestly pray to God, yeah. to, to supplicate and to come between anything the enemy was going to do and what they were to do yeah. so that they could get through this with him. Yeah, some, yeah. some crazy things happened right after Jesus got taken into custody. And you know, you have where Peter denies Jesus three times. And I'm wondering, as we're talking about this, is that the temptation that Jesus was talking about? He was like, Peter, you need to pray. Because he addressed Peter directly in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, couldn't you pray for one hour? And how much of, you know, it was so interesting because I think Jesus, when he took him into the garden, was like, hey, guys, come pray for me. But then as Jesus stood up in power, already making his decision about what he was going to do, he was like, hey, guys, you should be here praying for you because you don't understand what's about to be unleashed against you. Yes, the end of this is all going to turn out great. It's all going to turn out for good. But prayer right now is for you so that you can stay strong because you're about to be tempted in many areas. You're about to be prosecuted. You're about to be um, hunted down. You know, the, the, the shepherd told them, he said that my sheep are about to be scattered. And he said, if you would just take this hour and time in prayer for yourselves, 
you're going to have some power when this stuff begins to happen. And Jesus had taught them how to pray. So it wasn't like he was asking them to do something they didn't know how to do. They'd seen him pray. They'd yeah. seen him go off to pray. He taught them how to pray. And one of the things in the Lord's <coughs> Prayer that he gave an example of was to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. They needed to pray to be not led into temptation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Peter, looking back, one of the, the many regrets of his life was that when Jesus had been taken captive and he was in the courtyard of the high priest, Peter was, and he was warming himself by the fire. And all of a sudden, a, a young girl looked at him and said, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? Uh, weren't you with him? And Peter denies Jesus. No, I don't know this man. I never knew him. And uh, he goes to another place. And, um, you know, his flesh was there. I mean, he, w he went to Caiaphas's house. I mean, this was Jesus. This was his this was everything that Peter had known. Peter had seen Jesus do every miracle that he'd ever done. But yet Maybe. Peter was lacking the power that he needed in order to stand up for the conviction that was in his heart. And so when Peter went in the flesh, you know, he got defeated in the flesh. Yeah, I've had that happen several times just in the way God created my personality, not making excuses, in the way he created my personality. I get really excited, you know, and I want to do what God wants me to do. But I have to sometimes, after I've heard him pray it out, listen to the manner in which he wants me to do it, how he wants me to do it, when he wants me to do it. Because even sometimes when he does give you a word, it may not be for that second. And sometimes I'm like, oh, and I want to go do it right this second. And then yeah. I, I cause a bunch of problems. I'm like, what? what are you telling me to go do that? He was like, I wasn't even finished with my sentence. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the, the main purposes of prayer for us is that first, of course, we're spending time with the Lord. And prayer, it's not always about just asking. Prayer is not about me going to God on a regular basis and even doing that in the spirit and just praying over what I want, my needs, and what I think needs to happen. I like what it says. One of the great definitions of prayer is there's an exchange of wishes and ideas. And wishes isn't blowing out a candle and wishing for something. It's what God's plan and purpose is. You know, I go into prayer and I have a plan and I have a purpose. That's a good word. But there's an exchange that takes place and I under I, I all of a sudden will begin, the more time that I spend time in prayer, will begin to have an exchange take place where I don't want That's my good. wills and my purposes and my wishes. That's so I want His. And uh, I think, and, and, and there are times in prayer where you know, prayer doesn't always, you know, I think people look at prayer sometimes and thinks, oh my gosh, it's going to take forever. And we're going to have to pray all night. And we're going to, you know, if we'll just pray and pray in faith, we can get a lot of stuff done a lot quicker. It doesn't take all night to pray. They went up, it says in Acts, um, I'll look it up in just a second, but they went up to the hour of prayer. Peter and, and John, they went yeah. to the hour of prayer on the ninth hour. They went to the hour of prayer, it says in Acts. And so, a lot can be done in one hour. Even in the Old Testament, they didn't set up like 10-hour prayer meetings all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think people get, because, you know, when we look at prayer, it is hard on the flesh, but I think it's supposed to be. And uh, I think a real great place for us to get delivered of our own flesh, and I think Michelle alluded to it, you know, when I go into a prayer meeting and when I go in to pray, I'm putting aside my agenda. I'm putting aside what I think wants to happen or needs to happen. And like they said, they were all in one accord. Mm. Jesus had given them some very specific instructions 
about what they needed to do. And when they went into that prayer room in the upper room, they knew exactly what they were praying about. They knew exactly what they were praying into. Now, they didn't know how it was going to manifest. And I don't think any of them were praying, oh, Lord, let tongues of fire fall from heaven. But he was telling them that they were going to be endued with power. So there was a unity there. There was a harmony there. Um, it wasn't um, um, very subjective as to what they were praying. They were just praying together what they knew. And by the time Acts chapter 2, verse 1 showed up, they were ready. Yep, and Acts 2.42 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayer. So they're continuing after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then in Acts 3.1, that's where I was mentioning they went to the temple in the hour of prayer. So even after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they went to things like an hour of prayer. And they interceded. And you know what's else so interesting about prayer is, is um, it can be a an intercession to mediate between two things, or it can be a supplication that you're earnestly praying so that you can hear uh, the mind of God in the sense that his ways and his thoughts are higher and we're trying to line up with that. And it can be a Thanksgiving time. It can be several different things in one. God can accomplish so much in prayer. In fact, in the Hebrew word, uh, palal, that they use in the first time you see prayer in Genesis 20, 17 with Abraham and that king, it means to judge by extension, to intercede, pray, make supplication. It means all those things. But he was actually judging between so that judgment didn't come upon the king. Yeah. So powerful, the different things that come to pass in prayer. Yeah. There's so many things that God wants to accomplish to us and through us in prayer. And a lot of it, where our shortcomings come from, is just a basic lack of understanding of what prayer is and what it's about and who it's even about and the different types of prayer that God puts, you know, uh, we talk a lot about intercessory prayer, but intercessory prayer is only in the Bible a few times, mm -hmm. the word intercession. You know, he talks about supplication. He talks about prayers. He talks about a prayer of petition. There's all kinds of different prayer. And I like how Brother Hagin explains it. You know, if I'm trying to play baseball, but I'm using the rules of football, mm -hmm. baseball is going to be very, really very hard. confusing, frustrating, and mixed up. I think we have to understand, especially <clears throat> when it comes to prayer, what type of prayer are we doing? Uh, what kind of prayer is God asking us to do? Is he asking me to intercede? Is he asking me to supplicate? And that only comes through understanding and studying the Bible and knowing what his will is for prayer for that. You know, Brother Hagin used to say they would have these prayer meetings and he would just come down front to where everybody was praying and he would just listen. And uh, he would gently go up to somebody and say, well, you know, what are you praying about? And nine times out of 10, they would say, I don't know. Well, that kind of prayer is not going to lead to the power or what we're asking and believing God for. And so I think we have to be intentional about what we're praying about, who we're praying for, what administration of prayer is being done at that time. Yes, or, or just what we're seeking. You know, sometimes when we're praying in the Holy Spirit, we might not know exactly, but we still have a focus. We're focused. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, Lord, for my day. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost over this situation that mm -hmm. I'm not sure how to pray in English for, for heaven's sakes, you know? So we still have a focus. We must focus on what it is at hand or what is needed to be prayed for, even when we're praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you know what? We're going to put a pin in it for today. I think we're going to do a part two for next week. And so uh, we're going to end the broadcast today, but we don't ever want to stop 
uh, or end a broadcast without giving you an opportunity or whoever may be watching this. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then uh, we would love the opportunity to lead you to that throne of grace. And God makes it so simple. He just simply says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you'll be saved. And uh, the Bible also says that how can someone be saved unless they hear the word preached to them? So we've been preaching the word, even though we've been talking about prayer, we've been talking about faith. Now we've been talking about the spirit of God over this broadcast. And if you would like to know more of who God is, you know, prayer is nothing more than you and God just talking together. Yeah. You know, when Michelle and I, when we're at home, we talk together. We have an exchange of ideas and wishes and we've come into one accord about what we are praying and what we're talking about. God wants to have a relationship with you. And so I would just love the honor uh, if you would just pray this prayer with me. This is how we start. We all did it. Anybody that's ever been born again, we started the exact same way. And it was by simply praying this prayer. Just say this with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I love you. I want to know more about you. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my heart. I ask you for your Holy Spirit. I ask you for your Holy Spirit. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for your word. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Be my best friend. Be my best friend. Lead me to a good church. Lead me to a good church. And show me how to be discipled. And show me how to be discipled. If I have any addictions. If I have any addictions. For, heal me in them. Heal me in them. Any sickness in my body. Any sickness in my body. Heal me, Father. Heal me, Father. I submit my body and myself to you. I submit my body and myself to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. That wasn't hard. No, and you know, God loves you. He's been wooing you even through a broadcast like this just to come to him. It's the Holy Spirit drawing you. So if you did pray that for the first time, he's been drawing you. And what you did was just receive his love and then ask to be connected to him and yeah. received your salvation and received a new and fresh relationship with him. And he's made you a new creation and he's coming now into you and dwelling. He's in you, dwelling in you. If you've asked for him, he'll come and dwell in you. You become a place for God to dwell and he will stay with you and help you. Amen. And you can cry out to him and he will answer you and you'll be able to slowly begin to learn to hear him by that inner voice because he's in you because you've asked for him and received him today. Amen. Well, this is Pastors Jack and Michelle. We love you. Join us at West Houston Christian Center. We have services every Sunday morning at 1030. We have youth at nine, adult Sunday school at nine. We've got uh, something for all children. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only thing missing is you. So you have our personal invitation to join us and be a part of one of our in-person services. Uh, we know that you'll be blessed. God bless you. Jesus is Lord. We'll see you next week.